In this edition of the Cougar Insider Podcast, we're going to be breaking down the Hawaii Bowl, BYU versus Hawaii. We'll also be talking about the quarterback situation at BYU and outlining the start of this basketball season. Has it been a disappointment, a regular expectation, or has it been above what has been expected? This and much more in this edition of the Cougar Insider Podcast, brought to you by Mr. Mack. Welcome to this edition of the Cougar Insiders Podcast. I'm Dick Harmon along with Jay Drew and Brandon Gurney. Uh, we're trying to give you the best that we can updated about Cougar sports. We appreciate you being with us. Well, Jay, uh, the bowl invitations are out. There's no surprises there. BYU is going to play the University of Hawaii in uh, the SoFi uh, Hawaii Bowl. Um, it's going to be great weather. It's going to be a great place to be. It just happens to be on Christmas Eve. But this team is now in preparation for that. What can you update us on that situation? Well, they practiced three times last week. Uh, we got to talk to Kalani Sataki after the first practice. He said, there's a real sense of urgency to win this bowl game. And uh, that was reiterated today in the press conference by Micah Simon and Isaiah Kafusi and also Trajan Peely. I asked all three of them what the vibe has been, and they've said unequivocally, we got to win this game. That's what the coaches are selling. They're not developing players. They're not selling that like maybe they have in the past. They're literally laser-focused on winning this game and carrying that momentum into the next season. Brandon, there might be a little pressure in this situation with the way this season ended with a loss at San Diego and not being able to score a touchdown. This is a season where BYU probably did something that I can't remember any BYU team doing in a long, long time, beating a ranked Boise State, being a ranked Southern Cal, beating an SEC team in Tennessee on their own turf, in their own stadium, on the road. Uh, but there's been other other losses that have just kind of subtracted from that, and the one at the end of the season certainly put a little bit of a, a damper on that whole season. Is there more pressure this time around for this bowl game for them to come out and do something special? You hope there is. I, I think it might play to, to the advantage of just laying an egg against uh, San Diego State for that offense to recharge and all that. But I kind of look at this game kind of uh, the reverse of the San Diego State game is I'm interested to see how the defense responds. I'm interested to see where the defense is at. San Diego State, not a great test for, for a defense. Very lackluster offense. Hawaii's not that. Hawaii's a team that puts up a lot of points, especially in the islands. So so, so we'll see where this BYU defense is at and whether they can hold a, a typically prolific Hawaii attack, which hasn't been all that prolific during the stretch run of the season. So it'll be interesting to see what they present and what BYU counteracts. Jay, you got to give Hawaii respect. They did beat San Diego State. They did finish second in the league. They played for the Mountain West Conference Championship. And over there, they play differently. They, they really do. I, I remember back in 1990 uh, when Ty Detmer won the Heisman Trophy and to cap the season, they went over there and played. And they just got it handed to them. It was a weird day. It was a day that just could not get over fast enough. And they just got it handed to them. And, you know, you could see a scenario what, where Hawaii is very fired up to play this BYU team. And uh, how do you see the matchup? Yeah, Hawaii's coach, Nick Rolovich, I mean, he's already been quoted as saying, hey, this is this is Christmas come early for Hawaii, getting to play BYU on uh, their longtime rival. A lot of people in the islands have forgotten about what has mostly been BYU domination in the series. Obviously, the game you mentioned, the uh, other game in, I think, 2001, uh, where BYU was having a great season and, and lost over there. Uh, I think it was Brandon Doman's senior year. So, yeah, I think uh, Hawaii is going to be fired up. I just because it's BYU. Uh, for BYU, it's kind of like a road game. But Kalani Sataki said today in his press conference that 
they're thrilled to see Hawaii. They Maybe he was just painting, you know, that picture of uh, optimism. But from all I can gather, BYU is pretty excited about this matchup as well. And uh, obviously, it's a different time for fans to watch, maybe Christmas Eve. But, uh, you know, the weather's going to be an awful lot better than it was last year up in Boise. That's all I got to say. <laughs> and you're going to have a great time up there. That's going to be an interesting matchup. Uh, over the weekend, um, Jaron Hall got married and uh, a beautiful uh, bride. And I, we wish them all the uh, the luck in the world uh, beginning this. But he's going to use this bowl game as an opportunity to actually have his honeymoon. And uh, you wrote a great piece earlier about the three-quarterback situation, about how challenging that is and how everybody kind of is starting to pick their winners and losers in those three quarterbacks because they've all had their moments and uh, the two backups have actually played very, very well. How do you break that down now with these three quarterbacks, their health, their ability, and that competition? Yeah, I I was eager to talk to him because of Baylor Romney obviously revealed in that story to me that he's on scholarship now. Doesn't sound like he plans on going anywhere. Jaron Hall, there was some question about his future playing football or baseball, and he reiterated he wants to do both. And... uh uh, it seems like the odd man out is probably Joe Critchlow. I would be surprised if he's back. I wouldn't be surprised if he transfers and tries to play somewhere else, or maybe he just concentrates on, on academics. And then obviously Zach Wilson uh, reiterated that he didn't get a season last offseason last year to prepare to do much was as he rehabbed his shoulder, and he predicts that he's going to be gain weight and be you know bigger, stronger, and faster. So that's kind of in a nutshell what I gathered from them. Brandon, it's, it's kind of hard to remember, uh, and there's been some cases, but these three quarterbacks, and throw a Joe in there too. He hasn't seen very much time, but this has really been a key to this team this year is to be able to turn to one, then turn to another, and then turn to another, and for them to come through. It's been pretty impressive. It's been a big thing. I think it's been probably the best story of the season. Uh, when you break everything down, it's just how capable each of those three quarterbacks has proven. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that at BYU since I started covering the program, but, but I think it's really remarkable, and I think it speaks well to Coach A-Rod. Uh, I think he's a very underrated coach, a guy that people were wondering how effective he'd be coaching quarterbacks. Well, he looks pretty good. He's had, he's had three different quarterbacks come in and, and, and perform very well, so uh, BYU will be lucky to keep all three of these guys. It, it's going to be tough because all, all three of them know they can play. They've proven it, and, and, uh, and opposing teams know they can play as well, so... You know, I, I, I've got to say, and I don't have any favorites here. I like all of them, and they've all been very good to interview and to cover. But i got to say that the Bailey, Baylor Romney story has been pretty impressive. The, what he did coming in, a non-scholarship walk-in player, and to beat Boise State, who's a ranked team, ranked 14th at the time, we've seen quarterbacks like Taysom Hill and John Beck and a lot of others come into a game like that and not come out with a win. Jay, that, that's pretty good for a backup. Non-scholarship guy. Right. First college star. And then you look what Boise has done. They haven't lost since. At the time, some people said, well, Boise may be overrated. They've ran the table it, with some quarterback issues of their own as 12 well. Wins. 12 yeah, wins. Uh, BYU has only beaten a 12-win team, I think, twice in their history. That's uh, amazing. And the thing that stood out about Baylor Romney is just his poise, just for a f- true fresh or freshman and just the poise he played with. Tis the season for dressing up. Visit Mr. Mac today and get suited up. Mr. Mac has the right suit for any occasion, including their designer collection. Suits by Calvin Klein, Michael Kors, Talia, and more. Styles from traditional, modern, or slim fit. Great-looking new suits have just arrived in an assortment of all colors and styles. Buy one designer suit and get an additional suit for just 100 bucks or a free sport coat. Mr. Mac offers fast, free alterations at all nine Mr. Mac stores. 
BYU basketball took on UNLV um, up in Salt Lake City in the Vivint Center and uh, just destroyed them, just destroyed them. But, but you, we've got to kind of review on what happened before that because BYU is on its way to a, a really convincing victory in, in, in the John Huntsman Center over rival Utah, really, really playing well against them and doing well, and then it all fell apart. And in the end, you had Yoli Child and his comeback. He's laying on the court with five minutes to go with about a seven or point, eight-point lead. He's laying on the court, never returns again, played sparingly in the second half, 29 points in 26 minutes. And then T.J. Hawes, he's nowhere to be found. He's in foul trouble almost the whole game, and the credit you Utah, they came back. They they found a weakness and they attacked. They came back in a thrilling victory for Utah. But how disappointing, Jay, was that that BYU couldn't hold on in that win? Yeah, extremely. It's extremely disappointing. And you could really make a case that that might be one of those tips of scales in the favor of them not getting an NCAA bid. But to be totally honest with you, I don't get the Pac-12 network. I wasn't there. You and Jeff Call covered that game for the Deseret News. So I I didn't see much of the game. All I know is what I read. And, and what I read was Basically, BYU probably wins that game if Yoli Child stays on the floor. Oh, there's no doubt about that. I uh, This is something that fans get into, Brandon Gurney, a lot, and it means a lot to them. But if you look at the games that BYU had played up into that, nine or ten games, their average fouls called on that team is 12, 13, 14, 15, maybe a high of 17. There were 27 fouls called on BYU that night. And there have been some Ute, former Utes, that have talked to some some Cougars that I know of that have said, you know, yeah, yeah they kind of got <laughs> got hooked a little bit in that game. But we don't like to make make issue of officiating because it's always kind of like those who get beat always holler cheat. But there was some interesting calls going on in that game. It wasn't favorable toward BYU. I, I, I guess I can say that. Not very favorable officiating and maybe just leave it at that. But it, but it just kind of steamrolls. But I think a lot of what happens with adverse officiating is just how you deal with it, how you roll with it, and, and BYU didn't do that well. And ultimately, you have to do that. You have to adjust to those conditions. Sometimes they're so adverse that it's really hard to overcome. But you did see some questionable things. Uh, uh, T.J. Haas, two fouls in the, in, in the second half, and that was a huge loss. I have T.J. Haas down the street. It's kind of typical, though, of when you play at somebody's home court. We've seen that in the Marriott Center when teams have come in, and uh, they haven't shot a lot of free throws. They've got a lot of fouls called on them. It's not out of the ordinary to see that happen on home courts wherever you are in college basketball. This this question, real quick for both of you, starting with Jay and then and then you, Brandon. Has Mark Pope overachieved, underachieved, or just met expectations to this point? I think given the circumstances with no Gavin Baxter and Yoli being out for nine games, I would say overachieved. They're better. They've played better. They won those two games in Maui. I'd I'd have to say overachieved. I agree. Absolutely. I, I did not think BYU would fare as well as it did without Yoli Childs. And now that Yoli Childs is back, you've seen a glimpse. This is a really good team. This is a team. My expectations for this team is to go to the West Coast Conference and not lose those stupid games on the road that have just kind of defined BYU basketball in recent mm-hmm. years. Don't go to Pepperdine and, 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 and lose. Don't go to San Diego and lose. Be that consistent team. Be, be that second team. Um, BYU's always been that third team. Well, I shouldn't say always, but most years it's, it's Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and then BYU. BYU needs to be right up there with Gonzaga, and I think they have that potential. 
In my opinion, the thing that has stood out to me is the three-point shooting. BYU kind of struggled the last couple of years with some very good three-point shooters. But this team's shooting over 50% from a three-point line. They've got a guy like Dalton Nixon who's shooting over 50%. I think Jake Toulson has been a great addition. He's inspired perhaps TJ and, and, and uh, Zach Zelius to, to shoot well. And this, this team is doing something that a BYU team has to have, and that's make that outside shot. If they do that, they'll be in a lot of games. If they don't do that, they don't have the firepower underneath the rim protector and other situations to, to really get it done. But if you can hit three-pointers, you can be in every game. Suit up in style with Mr. Mack and Alema Harrington. Enter now to win a designer suit and accessories from Mr. Mack. One suit, shirt, tie, belt, sock, and shoe. Also an outfitting shopping experience with Alema during the remote December 11th. Alema will personally pick you out an outfit. Find Mr. Mack on Facebook or Instagram and enter to win. Compliments of Mr. Mack. Well, Brandon Gurney, you're kind of our expert here in recruiting. We've got the uh, National Letter of Intent uh, signing date coming up. How do you see this class shaping up? Um, it's a class that's largely been formed for a while now. There, there's a few guys that they're waiting on, some guys they might, may get. I, I don't have a lot of confidence in, in the guys that they're still holding out offers for. But but it, it's so interesting now because those those same guys might, might be in play uh, until February. <laughs> we'll see. You, you, it's not just when a, where a kid will sign. It's when that kid is going to sign. A lot of kids define it. A lot of kids wait. So, so it's going to be interesting. It, it's kind of an unspectacular spectacular class in general uh you're maxed out at three stars it's kind of not a highly ranked class not a class where they beat a lot of schools uh some of the more notables would be isaiah tupo a legitimate uh pac-12 caliber offensive lineman who had a lot of offers guy i like a lot locally is booty schoonover i'm a guy that was hurt but a guy who has a lot of potential linebacker from american fork might play tight end and a guy that i've liked consistently throughout the year maybe it's just because i've seen him so much is josh uh, wilson zach wilson's younger brother i i think he's going to be a guy that's going to be an an immediate control i hate to say that i hate to put that on any kid but seeing him play for corner canyon and knowing how uh uh, tuiaki plays his inside backers i think it's going to just fit him like a glove and I think he's going to be able to come in and compete right away um, and, and really help out there but but as far as j- just uh, frontline talent and, and just uh, headline recruits th- th- this class lacks that. Jay, uh, they just got a commitment from Ace Kafusi, who I think is from Kahuku High School over on the North Shore, Shore Lai and uh if we've learned anything in the past quarter of a century watching the Kafusi family, their sons, and then their sons, if you get a Kafusi, the chances are they're going to be pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good catch for BYU, and they need to obviously keep that Kafusi uh, pipeline going for generations if they can because they've been very good to BYU, no question about it. Uh, let's go around. Gentlemen, final word of the day, starting with you, Brandon Gurney. Well, real, real disappointing uh, two weeks for, for, for the Olympic sports, that's for sure, uh, with the women's volleyball and, and soccer. Swept on their home floor, volleyball yeah. women. Yeah, that was a little shocking. But I tend to think that, that Heather Olmstead typically overachieves with her teams. Um, you look at that, uh, Utah just had more experience and, and better all-around talent. And I, I think Heather consistently gets the most out of her teams. And when they go against really good coaches that are on a roll, you kind of see it expose the, the talent level. But I think overall... She's building a heck of a she's built a heck of a program, and it's a really young team, and they're probably going to have some growing pains next next year. But wow, what a good product she's putting out year in and year out. 
And Jay, your final word? Yeah, I would just say uh, it was really crucial for BYU to get to a bowl. I think these next few weeks are really important for them for gaining momentum. And uh, they learned last year after they lost to Utah in the final, and they channeled that energy into uh, beating Western Michigan. And I think if they can replicate that same effort, that they can uh, that they can take down B- uh, Hawaii, even if Hawaii's playing at home, and garner some some real important momentum for the off season. And my final word, uh, this this fall's been kind of devastating in a, a personal regard to some members of our Inside Cougar team. Earlier this uh, fall, Jeff Call uh, lost his mother. She passed away. And then this past weekend, unfortunately, Jay, Jay Drew here lost his mother. And Jay, our condolences go to you. I know losing a parent is, uh, is very hard. I've lost both of mine. And our hearts go out to you. You've been a great asset to this uh, company, to the Deseret News. And we appreciate all you've done. Thank you. And there you have it. Thanks for joining us on this edition of the Cougar Insider Podcast. I'm Dick Harmon, along with Jay Drew and Brandon Gurney. We appreciate our sponsor, Mr. Mack. What great clothes. What great opportunities. Uh, We appreciate you guys uh, tuning in to us. Thank you.